Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Must win in week three of the preseason for the Redskins, and the team pulls through. That's a little bit sarcastic, of course. But game three of the preseason is in the books for the Redskins. Let's break it down. Drag up that diesel. This is the Pigpen Podcast. I am your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. Peep that nice little new intro that I made this week, so I can say that I was productive. You can find all of the Hogshaven podcasts wherever you get your podcast. Of course, go over to hogshaven.com and become a member of the community over there and communicate with us and everyone who's over there at Hogshaven. Um, so go over there to hogshaven.com and do that. Week three of the preseason in the books for the Redskins. They pick up the win 19-7 to in Atlanta. A nice showing on the defense. We will get to them, but the past two weeks, we have started with the defense, so it's only fair that we spread the wealth a little bit, and we start with the offense. So we'll talk the biggest story offensively right out of the gate. Jordan Reed is being tested for uh, symptoms of a concussion after a, a big hit that he took from Keanu Neal over the middle. That sucks. It's terrible. There's the one dude. You don't, you don't ever want to see anyone uh, get hit with a concussion tests or go through the concussion protocol at all in the NFL. But if there's one dude that you really didn't want to happen uh, on this Redskins team, it would be Jordan Reed. And he, he made up for what was a dropped pass in a in an earlier play, earlier drive. He made a nice catch over the middle. Then Keanu Reeves came from the middle of the field and delivers what is a textbook example of how you are not supposed to hit anybody. Lowers his helmet. The crown of his helmet hits the chin of Jordan Reed, or kind of like the face mask of Jordan Reed knocks the helmet off of his head. Reed looked fine as soon as he came up, but the the way concussions tend to work sometimes is symptoms show up a few minutes after, and uh, uh, he is hit with those symptoms. So obviously we're wishing that it, this is going to turn into nothing, but as I mentioned, a guy with a history of concussions is the last guy that you ever want to have get concussed, and I, I don't know if Keanu Neal is going to get uh, some sort of fine for the hit or, or suspension, but uh I would sure like something, especially if it does cost Jordan Reed uh, some real time. As I said, that is a textbook example of how you are not supposed to hit anybody uh, in the preseason, but just in the game in general. They've, the NFL has 
at least taken some sort of precaution to eliminate those style of hits and to have that happen in a meaningless game is absolute nonsense and it needs to be addressed so I'm hoping that there's some sort of fine or, or maybe a suspension coming uh, to Keanu Neal likely it, it won't I mean he's probably just going to go scot-free with a 15-yard penalty and it'll call it a day but uh, if this does cost Jordan Reed some some big time uh, I'm going to have a big problem with it. But um, Reed did have a, a nice play on the on the play that he got hit. Nice catch over the middle, kind of making up for a, a drop that was on a third down earlier in the game. But the, uh, the offense played the full half, which is something that Jay Gruden has not traditionally done as coach of the Redskins in the uh, in the post in the preseason I should say um, he's, he's not a guy that plays his starters a whole lot but he did play the, the guys the first half and uh, the performance from the offense I would say uh, to put it lightly was quiet uh, they had a couple opportunities to uh, to put some points some serious points on the board and they really only walked away with six throughout the entire half so not exactly the best showing from the team in that regard but they were able to move the ball a little bit which was some sort of positive but uh, th- those opportunities, wasted opportunities in the red zone, are really, really going to hurt if those, uh, if that trend makes its way into the regular season. And it has in the past with this team, obviously with different quarterbacks, but it's something that seems to be consistent in the Jay Gruden uh, era is wasted opportunities in the red zone. And we saw a little bit of that. Now, that was partly uh, due to a holding call on Eric Flowers, and he is going to be the recipient uh, of a lot of hate this week, and some of it is deservedly so, but some of it is not. Uh, Eric Flowers is a guy that I can't help but root for. I find myself consistently rooting for him because I want to see him perform well, and part of that is because he is coming over from the Giants, so there is uh, a little bit of fun in the idea of stealing what could be a good player from a division rival. And there are times where I watch Eric Flowers and I say, you know what? He is really progressing. Like He is doing some really good things in the run. They ran a lot to the left uh, today. I should say tonight, but they ran a lot to the left side and they had some success with Darius Guys, who we will get to in just a moment. Uh, but then there are also times where Eric Flowers nearly let Case Keenum die and he just got beat on assignments. He looked like he didn't really know what he was supposed to be doing in a pass protection. Uh, there was one point where Case Keenum nearly died because Brendan Flowers got beat and then he was able to come back quickly and make the save. So he's kind of a roller coaster of a player at that left guard spot at the moment. And like I said, it's a guy that I want to see succeed. Seed, uh, just because I want uh, us to have a good left guard, but also because of that Giants tie, and I would like uh, just to see him do well, but there are times where it is very, very difficult to watch him, uh, especially for a team that needs to keep its quarterback safe, and if we do at some point get to a time where Dwayne Haskins is the starting quarterback, I would prefer to not see him get continuously destroyed because Eric Flowers cannot block the person in front of him so uh, some some positives from his game which would be the running game the pass protection thing is still going to be a bit of a problem moving forward maybe that helps if he's playing next to Trent Williams instead of Donald Penn but I thought Donald Penn did a relatively good job uh, at left tackle today I don't really have any quarrels with what he did tonight uh, obviously, but playing next to Trent Williams is just a whole different animal, and I would assume that you just get better by playing next to a guy that is an all-pro and one of the best at his position. Of course, Trent Williams is not here. We're not going to make this whole podcast about Trent Williams, although we very easily could, but he is not here. I hope that he is, so if somebody has him on speed dial, please call him, but he is not here, and Flowers did not look the best in the world, but who did look good was Darius Geis, and I was I was nervous. I'll be completely honest here. When Darius Geis came into the game and I knew he was going to play today, I was nervous because I didn't know 
uh, how he would do. And a guy coming off of an ACL injury, it's always difficult but nice once you get the first hit. And once you take the first hit and you get up, and Darius guys did that, uh, like it was almost like a weight off my shoulders a little bit. Um, I, I was pleased with what I saw from him. He looked really, really good, uh, really, really mobile. He wasn't afraid of contact, which can tend to happen when you go through big, big injuries. He was not afraid of it at all. He has great vision. I mean, he really does have great vision. And uh, I, I, I know there's a lot of questions offensively for us because of our quarterback situation and because of really the entire left side of the offensive line. But our running back unit is shaping up to be one of the stronger units of our team based on what we saw from Darius Geis today. Uh, him, Adrian Peterson, Chris Thompson, though, that trio is going to be a very, very good trio. So I was very pleased with what I saw from Darius Geis. It would have been so great had he got in the end zone. I, I think that would have been the perfect night for him. But that, that holding call on Flowers drew it back. And uh, so he got robbed of a touchdown. If anything, Eric Flowers has to pay for a meal or something because he, he did rob Geis of a touchdown. But I really liked what I saw from Darius Geis today. And uh, I think moving forward, he's going to be a big, big player on the team. We did see our first action from Terry McLaurin. Uh, he made his first tackle before a ball was thrown his way because of that fumble slash interception. It was called interception, and the box score ruled it a fumble. It was the Redskins' starting unit's only turnover of the night, and Terry McLaurin ended up making the tackle. He did get a ball thrown his way, though, uh, with the the ones, and he drew a nice pass interference that set up a goal line opportunity for the Redskins that ultimately got called back because of that Eric Flowers holding and robbed us of a touchdown. But I liked what I saw from him on that pass interference. He was aggressive. I like the, I love the, I don't like, I love the aggressiveness uh, from him and Kelvin Harmon in particular when they're going up for balls. We've had a history of having guys that maybe don't want to challenge those jump balls, but those two guys in particular throughout the first, well, really only one game for Terry McLaurin, but the for the past two weeks for Kelvin Harmon, uh, they've both done really, really well in terms of going up and attacking the football, and they show no fear in that regard, and that's something I really like uh, out of those two guys, and that kind of brings up a uh, a discussion that we have to have about this wide receiver position because we got a lot of talented guys on the team, and there's not there's not enough room for everybody. I think uh, the locks at, at, at the moment for the wide receiver position, you're looking at Paul Richardson, I think you're looking at Terry McLaurin, Trey Quinn, and those are the three locks. I don't think that Josh Doxson is a lock, and that's something that's been discussed on the on this site, uh, the Hogshaven site, throughout the majority of the week here. Uh, I don't know if Josh Doxson is a lock to make this team. He did have a nice reception over the middle. I know that he is technically listed as the top guy on the depth chart, but if we are if we are going to honestly honestly talk about this and we, if we are going to honestly look at some of the guys that we have uh, who we need really I mean I, I think a guy like Robert Davis a guy that can sp- play special teams is a guy that we need on the team and I've been very impressed with Cam Sims and I think he has a whole lot of upside and and if we take those two guys then it's coming down to Josh Josh Doxson and Kelvin Harmon and I really love what I've seen from Kelvin Harmon. I think Jay Gruden does too. Uh, that just a guy that's going to attack the football in the air. There could be a, a serious shift um, at the receiver core in terms of letting Josh Doxson go. And it almost feels weird uh, because he was a first-round pick. And I can understand your viewpoint if you say, you know, it's too early to give up on a first-round pick. I totally get that. And a part of me is in that camp as well, mostly because I don't want to see us let him go and then him go and have success elsewhere. That would just kind of be like a knife in the back or a kick in the nuts. But at the same time, I don't want to to use that 
that idea of just not wanting to see him be good elsewhere to keep him on the team and rob somebody else somebody else of a roster spot that can help us win. So I think when it comes down to it, the receivers that I would say make the team right now, you're looking at Paul Richardson, Terry McLaurin, Kelvin Harmon, Trey Quinn, Robert Davis, and I would go with Cam Sims in that final spot. We don't owe any money to Josh Doxson after this. Like, let him go. Cut ties with him. The experiment did not work, and we can point fingers at whoever we want to for that failure, but it didn't work. It's time to let Doxson go, and, and let's run with the the group of young guys that we have on this team because I do think a lot of them have the ability to make some really, really good plays down the stretch. Uh, Case got the start tonight. Uh, that, that really isn't news. I think based on what we saw, he is going to be the guy for week one. Dwayne Haskins played well tonight, but he didn't play exceptionally. He missed a touchdown throw, which was a difficult throw to make, but uh, that was something he needed to make if he wanted to, to win this job. When it's all said and done, I think Dwayne is going to finish as our starter for the season. But in terms of week one guy, it looks like it's certainly going to be Case. And unless Dwayne Haskins just has a ridiculous fourth game in the preseason, I don't see any reason as to why they would throw the rookie out there in the fire. I would have loved to see him get some action with the ones in the first half. That would have been, that was my dream scenario. Just get Dwayne Haskins uh, a little bit of action at the end of the first half. They decided to go against that. They did run what I'm going to call a two-minute drill with Case Keenum. It was the worst play calling that I've seen in a two-minute drill. We had about 40 seconds, and we ran two screen plays. Two of the three plays that we ran were screen plays. I don't understand the logic behind that unless your logic is we just don't want to score the football. Um, So I didn't didn't get that aspect of it, but it looks like Case Keenum is going to be the guy, and Dwayne Haskins will be carrying the clipboard at week one when uh, when Philly is – uh, across the sideline from us. But the defense played well. Let's jump into uh, all the great things we saw on the defensive side of the football. Defensively, we saw kind of what we largely already knew entering this football game. We know that the interior of the defensive line is going to be the best spot on this defense. And I think largely what this defense is going to be could it finish in the top 10? I think so. I think that is a realistic possibility. Could it finish in the top five in, in the NFL? That might be a bit of a reach, but I think it's something that at the same time could also be in reach. I think what this defense is going to be, though, is a defense with an, a dominant interior with John Allen, with Deron Payne, and with Matt Ioannidis. That's going to be a, a bend-don't-break defense on the back end. That that soft zone that we kind of play really leaves open the middle of the field, and uh, that's that's kind of the big weakness. And we obviously we know that our middle linebackers aren't the strongest on the team. It might be the weakest uh, on that defensive side of the ball, and that is going to be some sort of an issue. And the Falcons did kind of take advantage of that today, uh, but our team is very good at gang tackling. We have a lot of guys that may not be great open field tacklers, but when you get three guys around the football, I think that's a real positive sign for the defense, and we did a really good job of that. And you have to walk away from this game, at least from the starter's perspective. And I know we didn't see Julio Jones, although I would have loved to see Julio Jones go against either Josh Norman or Quentin Dunbar, but we held a, a really good Falcons offense to to seven points. And I think that's certainly a win. And 
Uh, the touchdown that they did get came off of a turnover, so they were working with a short field. And it's important to notice that uh, John, John Allen was not on the field for the touchdown. That's something that, that kind of stuck out to me right away because I was looking for him because the play went right where John Allen would normally line up. And for whatever reason, he was not on the field. Jerron Payne and Matt Ioannidis were a little wider than they normally were. And Marquise Flowers, who was playing the middle linebacker, was kind of in charge uh, of where John Allen would be. And if, if you look at the measurements between John Allen and, and Marquise Flowers, John Allen has about 60 pounds on Marquise Flowers. So Flowers kind of got dominated at the line of scrimmage, and they were able to just sneak through that gap, and they were able to make it into the end zone. So I think if John Allen is on the field, I'm not saying the Falcons don't score in that situation, but I don't think they do it as easily as they do on that specific play because he is a guy that in the course of this game and throughout the course of what we've seen with him, uh, with the team this year, both him and Deron Payne have a very ridiculous ability to just dominate double teams. And that's something that I uh, I think is th- maybe the most impressive about them, other than, I guess, their athleticism, because both dudes are freakish athletes. But they take their double teams, and they destroy double teams. And one of the things that I don't think is a reach is it, if these two guys stay healthy, I truly think that John Allen and Deron Payne could be one of the best duos uh, in, in football in the interior, in terms of interior linemen. I think what they do is is absolutely absurd. They're going to bully guys, and they're going to draw double teams, possibly both. I mean, you can only really double team one of the guys, so the other one's going to cause havoc, and then we have to rely on the guys on the outside to get it done. And Montez Sweat, did, uh, he did make some really good plays for us. It's not something that he's done throughout the entirety of this preseason, but he was able to get after Matt Ryan a little bit. And I'll tell you what, uh, despite the fact that Montez Sweat hasn't made a ton of great plays this preseason, I think it's pretty clear that his upside is in Incredible. If if that guy truly does get going with the guy with uh, you know Deron Payne, John Allen, and uh, Matt Ioannidis, Matty Ice, I, I think Sweat could be a guy that could end up with with ten sacks. I think he get he could get ten sacks. I think Kerrigan could wind up with ten sacks. And then Ryan Anderson is great in terms of run support. He might be one of the the most underrated run support guys in football. I wish he was as good of a pass rusher as he was a run support guy, but he was able to play uh, some really, really solid defense in the run game. But the guy that stood out to me on the back end of the defense tonight was Landon Collins. And I think I know I saw a lot of people on Twitter pointing this out, and, and I was one of them at Denton underscore day. Landon Collins was all over the field, especially on those first few possessions. He was like a bat out of hell. He was going sideline to sideline. He was helping in the run game. He was making plays. And that's obviously what we paid him to do. He, I know, wants to live up to the the hype and the name uh, of his favorite player in Sean Taylor. And I know at some point he is going to probably lobby for that number 21. But Landon Collins played really, really well tonight. And I think that's a really positive sign. Him and Monte Nicholson, I think, could be a very, very good duo. One of the better duos we've had at the safety spot in quite some time. And maybe I'm getting ahead of myself saying that I think all these guys on defense can be really, really great together and some really, really great duos. But I truly think that we do have a defense that I don't want to waste. And that kind of ties its way back into the offense because I don't know if we're going to have the ability to score a ton of points this year, but the defensive unit that we have on the field is really, really good. And the best part, and what could be the scariest part if you're an opposing offense, we haven't actually seen them get complex. And I don't think with the talent that we have, it's going to be difficult for them to understand the complexity 
of, of defense that we're going to end up running. So we're still in kind of a very vanilla mode. And once we kind of throw these wrinkles into what we can do on defense, I think we're going to be a team that causes a whole lot of problems in what is now uh, an offensive-driven league. We also saw a nice play from Jimmy Moreland that proved that the player's corner can actually tackle. He got some some run with the ones and kind of the, uh, the slot packages, the nickel and dime packages. I'm interested to see where he lines up on the depth chart because I know at the moment he is he's the third corner on one of the sides behind Dominique Rogers Camardi. I would be willing to bet that he ends up taking uh, DRC's spot. That's just kind of that's that's the one hot take from today's podcast. I think that uh, the People's Corner Jimmy F and Moreland is going to eventually be the number two corner on one of the sides and take Dominique Roger Cromartie's spot. That's not to say the DRC won't make the roster. I think there's a spot for him on this roster, but uh, I think uh, on the on the final depth chart, I would say that Jimmy Moreland is probably going to uh, to get that final spot. So that's going to do it uh, for this episode. A uh, little little uh, shorter than uh, previous weeks, and I think 20 minutes is generally a pretty good length, uh, especially because it's literally not even 11 o'clock yet. The game just ended. But let me know your thoughts on some of the stuff that we saw, uh, especially on the offense. I would love to know what people think of this quarterback situation and how our offense really couldn't get the ball in the end zone it was incredibly frustrating because i thought we had some really good opportunities let me know at denton underscore day on twitter or down below if you're listening on hogshaven in the comment section until then i will see you guys next week on the pick Band podcast